And welcome to another episode of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where we take a look at the issues that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. I am Son Edom, along with Dan Delzell. Dan is a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska, Redeemer Lutheran Church. He's also written many articles on various topics regarding uh, biblical theology and issues that face this world through that biblical lens. A lot of them can be found at thechristianpost.com. And and Dan, you know, there's a song by Blue Oyster Cult called Don't Fear the Reaper, a song about death and dying. And, and the song goes on to say that you shouldn't fear. You shouldn't fear death. You shouldn't fear dying. And the, the writer, the author of the song, uh, a lot of people thought it was a song because they thought he might be suicidal, but actually it was just a song about death and facing death and how he felt that death should not be feared. Not sure what his faith was like, but... I like the song. It's kind of a cool song, kind of a cool riff to it. But when I take a look at the song and I really think about that, it made me wonder, you know, we talked about Satan recently, and a lot of people know Satan and know about him, but do we really know who he is and what he's about? And as we delved into that, you know, there's a lot of information there that people may not have known about Satan, even though they know about the topic of Satan. And I thought that might be the same thing about death. You know, there's a saying that goes, uh, there's three things in life that are pretty inevitable, death, taxes and change you know we all have to pay our taxes april 15th just rolled around and unless you've got some financial guru somewhere we all have to pay our taxes obviously we all found out about change in the last year whether it be good change or bad change you know change happens Um, and then of course then there's death you know we just saw probably the death of the oscars the other night there's less than you know 10 million people so i mean is that that's you know a certain kind of death and then we also have you know physical death where we've all in the past year probably know somebody if not real personally but know of somebody who lost a loved one because of the the virus and so forth so we all face death and i think death also is like a billion dollar or more industry every year because it's going to be something that you know we all have to face and so it's it's something that's very significant in life but do we really know what death is about what it's like, what it means for believers, those that believe in Jesus who died on the cross to save us from our sins, and those who maybe do not believe. So what is death, and is it something that should be feared? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question, Son. And, you know, there are a number of different uh, aspects, of course, uh, from which we could uh, get at this topic. But um, I like your intro there, kind of the the broad sweep. I mean, you know, you, you've got um, you've got cultural ideas. Uh, you, you definitely have uh, the devil connected to this whole realm. I mean, people talk about the grim reaper. Well, you know, it's interesting in, in the book of Hebrews, um, there's an, a verse that connects the devil with death, even the power of death. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, uh, he too, and his Christ, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So, um, you know, there may be some musicians who try to um, counsel their listeners uh, to, to not be afraid of death. But I, I think, you know, anybody who's human um, is, is going to have a, a natural fear of death because we weren't created uh, originally by God to die. It just doesn't feel right that, that we should ever die. I mean, funerals never feel normal. Um, and, and then, you know, you've got the issue of people dying uh, much earlier in life than um, than any of us would expect. So all of these things contribute to um, just the the overwhelming uh, sense that that something is very very wrong uh, about death. Um, that, that that this is not the way um, God wanted it to be. 
Um, and yet, um, the Lord intervened and he, um, he won the victory. You know, uh, the Bible says death, uh, has been swallowed up in victory. And, and so when Christ died and then rose again, um, you know, he, he, he won the victory over death for all who come to him through faith. Uh, and yet this verse in Hebrews talks about people who in the natural fear song, uh, were held in slavery by their fear of death. And, and I think probably what happens is at an early age, when we first start to contemplate it, it's easy to just, you know, push it aside because it is so, um, it's really so unknowable um, until you come to learn what the Bible says and you come to not only believe it, but you come to know uh, that, that, that Christ is your Savior and that heaven is your home. And, and while no one, including believers, looks forward to the process of dying, uh, especially if it's a, uh, you know, a painful process or, you know, uh, a d- disease perhaps involved or something, um, you know, or an accident. You know, n- none of this is, is pleasant to think about. Uh, but, but for the believer, son, we have the promise of eternal life from the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Uh, and then he asked the question, do you believe this? So I'm sure one of the things we'll probably get into today as we talk about death is that we have an immortal soul, um, that, 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 that uh, God offers the free gift of eternal life to all who will come to him uh, through his son. And, and so there really is a way to break free from that, that slavery to the fear of death um, that we all by nature have. Satan is involved with that. He, he wants to keep a person blind uh, from seeing Jesus as their savior. Um, but, uh, you know, as Christians, we say a whole lot more than that, than that singer uh, did in, in that song you referenced. Um, we have a message that we, we can tell people, you don't have to be afraid of death uh, as long as you're with Jesus, because he's got your back. Um, he's got you covered. Um, your sin is forgiven. Um, heaven is your home. Uh, the ride may be bumpy. You know, it's kind of like we're in an airplane right now. And there may be, there will be turbulence and some people, terrible turbulence. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the plane may seem to drop out of the sky, you know, but, but don't worry. Um, the Lord has got you. And, and whenever that plane comes down, okay, um, even if it's a crash landing, you know, in the worst case, um, that's only your body. Um, it's not your soul. Uh, it is well with your soul. If you're a believer in Jesus, your soul will never die. Your soul will never, um, well, I mean, my goodness, you're, you're immortal uh, right now. And that's why, you know, let, let's say somebody listening to this song, maybe there's somebody who's 60 years old listening to this podcast. And, and I bet that person could say, you know, um, in some ways I feel like I, as young as I did when I was 25, you know, not necessarily physically, but on the inside. And, and that's because your soul doesn't age. Your soul is immortal. God gave you an immortal soul along with your body and your spirit, body, soul, and spirit. So, yeah, um, I think the way you uh, introduced this topic, Son, gives us, you know, plenty to think about as we start to kind of come at this um, this huge topic of death from, from a number of angles. But, my goodness, uh, as Christians, we can certainly um, come away from this discussion um, knowing that we have the victory. Okay, I want to get to the, the heart of the matter get to that million-dollar question, what happens when we die? A lot of people, and I referenced the Oscars earlier, a lot of people will take what they know about a topic from Hollywood, maybe from the movies, maybe from books they've read, things like that. I heard a sermon one time about heaven, and I was expecting this grandiose you know, sermon about what heaven is like, and 
all the pastor described was whatever was in the Bible. Okay. And, yeah. and, that, and that was correct. You know, it's, it's, that was what his correct uh, thing to do is the Bible tells us just a smidgen of what heaven is really like. It gives us a little glimpse. Right. But, you know, for example, uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. They're playing Twister to defeat the Grim Reaper so they can continue to live. And then there's mm-hmm. other movies, you know, where people are walking around in, in, in heaven in white robes and it's all kind of like, right. you know, this kind of calm, you know, Zen place. And then, you know, mm-hmm. so it's all different, it's all different imagery. And then when the, when it comes to death, you know, we've seen a lot of different kind of, um, essence or resemblances of how the soul will leave and move on to the afterlife. You know, if you take, you know, movies such as maybe like Indiana Jones or things like that, you know, so you get all of these varying degrees of Hollywood. Yeah. And of course yeah. they're not real, right. but when it comes right down to it, what is it that is actually happening? What happens to us when we die? Well, I tell you, Son, the uh, the moment that a person dies, their soul um, leaves their body. So when, when we go to a funeral service and uh, let's say, um, you know, they have a an open casket and it's an individual who wasn't cremated, but there they are, um, you know, their body is there. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how much time and, and attention is given to try to make that, that deceased body look as much like the person. I, I mean, I'm not faulting that practice. I'm just saying we, you know, we, we, we want to, we, we try to hang on to that, that, that physical, uh, you know, body and that person as long as possible. But, but, but the real person is no longer there. Um, they, they've left the building you know, the Elvis has left the building. Well, um, everyone listening to this song, including of course you and I, the moment we die, the soul leaves the body. There are only two places then that the soul can go. We know this because God has told us this in, in scripture. Um, there's only Hades or hell and there's only, you know, paradise or heaven. You know, the thief on the cross, um, when, when, uh, he was about to die, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. So the moment his body died there, as he was just, you know, just like our Lord, I mean, uh, just, he was crucified. He was tortured terribly. Um, uh, but then when that pain was done, um, his soul went immediately to heaven and, and no heaven is not like, um, the movies that might have just a, a blank white kind of canvas with, you know, maybe a few clouds or people, you know, just they're only in white. I mean, in revelation, it does talk about, you know, a multitudes of us in white robes standing before the throne. Um, you know, and, and then the question is asked these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? These are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So through the blood of Jesus, we're forgiven, we're guaranteed heaven. But, um, but heaven is going to be a place of eternal praise and eternal pleasure. Um, heaven will be a place of eternal fulfillment. Um, there will never be one unfulfilled desire there. You know, it's interesting, Son, that you know, people have different you know, near-death experiences. And I always caution people, you know, don't put too much stock in those because um, those aren't like Scripture. You know, you can, you can count on Scripture because that's God's Word. So what the Bible says about heaven, what it says about hell, what it says about salvation, you can take that to the bank. Um, when somebody has a near-death experience, um, you know, you, you might find it very interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I had a guy on Sunday, uh, Mike, share his testimony uh, at Redeemer, son. And um, I've had, you know, I, I've had Mike do this in the past, years ago, but, um, but I had him do it. Um, a lot of people hadn't heard it yet. And anyway, Mike, uh, Mike describes how when he was uh, in high school, I think 17, um, he had a dream one night. And in his dream, he was in this line of people that 
Uh, we're going before the Lord on Judgment Day, and, and, you know, to one person, the Lord will say, you know, depart from me, I never knew you, and to another, then he'll say, um, you know, um, uh, come and enter enter heaven, you know. Um, and uh, so some were, some were being welcomed into heaven. Um, others were being uh, sent away. And so finally got to Mike, and uh, the Lord uh, said to Mike, you know, depart from me, I never knew you. And Mike described in his testimony how he pleaded with the Lord, you know, uh, but it, it just didn't help anything. And so uh, eventually um, he just started to walk around kind of the corner uh, there. And right when he kind of was going around the partition there, he woke up. Uh, well, he was very scared by, by that whole sense that, I mean, he wanted, he wants to go to heaven. And so um, that, that following Sunday, he, uh, he was there at a, at a Baptist church and he came forward and professed faith in Christ and, uh, and wanted folks to know that he was accepting Jesus as his Savior. And, and you know, uh, he, he told a part of that testimony son, on Sunday that I've never heard before. Um, but he said the next night, he said he had another dream. And, and he said this time, it, oh, the, the first dream was in black and white. I didn't remember him telling that in the past. But, yeah, he shared that Sunday. His initial dream was in black and white. But, but then he had a dream in color the next night. And, and he was kind of like floating and, and, um, you know, he was seeing colors like blues and greens and things he'd never seen before. Uh, and, um, just kind of describing now, you know, that he was with the Lord going to be going to paradise. But, um, it was interesting because it reminded me of, 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 uh, uh, Don Piper's book, 90 minutes in heaven, he, also a Baptist. He was a Baptist minister who was in a car accident. He on a bridge, uh, they had like a tarp over him for like 90 minutes. Well, he went on to, to share a story of what he experienced during those 90 minutes. And, and he describes 90 minutes in heaven. And he talked about sounds that he's never heard on earth, smells, sights, um, the colors, colors he's never seen on earth. He said it was an explosion of the senses. Now, again, these are experiences, Son. So Mike's vision, Mike's dream, uh, and then Don Piper. And there are many, many hundreds of other experiences like that. But um, the, the point is, um, it's interesting that, that, that so many people um, either have, you know, have, have had like a near-death experience or maybe have had a dream. I mean, many, many Muslims in the world uh, are coming to know Jesus because it's like Jesus is coming to them in a dream. And, and, and they, they, they are, are um, sharing how they've come to faith because Jesus came to them in a dream and, and called them uh, to follow him. Um, so these are all experiences that while they're not on the level of scripture, meaning we, we, you and I can't say with certainty, well, I know that's exactly, you know, what, what they had and, and what it means and everything, um, like we can with the Bible. Nevertheless, um, there, there, there's a lot of, um, there, there's, a, there are a lot of things like this that, that, that would fit with scripture. And, you know, there's no way that Satan would ever give Mike a, uh, a dream about, heaven and hell, and then, and then accepting Jesus. And so in his life, the Lord used that. Now, not everybody comes to the Lord uh, because they're afraid of going to hell necessarily, um, but should a person be afraid of that? Well, Jesus said you should be. Jesus said you should be afraid of dying and going to hell. Um, he made that very, very clear um, because he doesn't want people to go to hell. So whether a person initially comes to the Lord out of a fear of hell or whether they come to the Lord out of just you know, just a sheer gratitude for, for God's grace and his forgiveness and, and the cross that he died. I mean, the main thing is that, as Jesus said, come to me. You know, um, people may have a few different motivations involved in that song, but um, the one unforgivable sin is unbelief. The one sin that will not be forgiven is to reject Jesus. 
Um, You know, the Bible talks about the unforgivable sin as blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And, and, And so certainly unbelief would be a part of that blasphemy. Um, if you're going to reject the gospel, if you're going to reject what the Holy Spirit wants to wants to do to bring you into the faith, you know, the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And and so, um, you know, this is why this is why it's so critical that a person consider their own mortality and they consider what Jesus did when he when he um, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose on the third day and then promised eternal life to all who would accept him as Savior. And, and while this doesn't answer all of our questions, certainly, fine. in fact, most of our questions are not answered about what's heaven going to be like. You know, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, the home, singular. So will it have a lot of aspects that are almost earth-like, only multiplied, you know, a thousand times better? Perhaps. You know, when Mike was kind of floating above the blues and the greens and all these things he was seeing, I mean, you know, I think we sometimes get this idea from Revelation, like maybe heaven is just going to be only like, you know, streets of gold and and um, and then all these precious stones. And, and I'm not saying that won't be part of it as well. Obviously, that, that will be, uh, you know, and, and, and Revelation talks about the Lord's throne and just the beauty of na- of heaven. But but I, I, I suspect that there's going to be much more to heaven than that as well, though, Son. Um, you know, not not only some of those beautiful um uh, stones and so forth. Um, but the main thing will be the Lord, um, and our, and our worship of him. He'll be the, he'll, he'll be the main focus of our, of our time in heaven, uh, which will be forever, you know, and we're never going to get bored. We're never going to want to leave. We're never going to have an unfulfilled desire. We're never going to be tired. We're never going to be sick. We're never going to die. On and on and on it goes. And yes, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true. And, and when you accept Christ as your savior, you, you start to, you come to a place on where you start to realize, Hey, why, why didn't I see this before? You know, Dan, your answer was chock full of some yummy goodness that I want to go down and talk about. Um, but first, um, you know, there's, there's the dreams. And we all know that, like, for example, Moses, when he came down from the Ten Commandments, his face was radiant. Um, Jesus, you know, after he rose from the dead, the disciples didn't recognize him at first because he appeared yeah. to have a changed body. So I know there's... Um, no potentially a change of appearance when we face or we come face to face with Jesus, come face to face with God. We know that God in the Bible, you know, visited people in dreams all the time. I mean, you know, they came to Mary, they came to Joseph in dreams to talk about Jesus. You know, you got people that, you know, wrestled in dreams. You've got, you know, so dreams are pretty prominent when it comes to, you know, the Bible and things like that. And, 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 but real quick, because I've heard people talk about, uh, blasphemy. And people have always asked, you know, have I committed blasphemy? Have I committed the yeah. ultimate sin? And, yeah. and I've always heard and kind of replied that true yeah. blasphemy really only occurs when you die because up until the moment of death, you have an opportunity right. to confess and believe and accept Jesus and move into all eternity and glory. So for people that, you know, say, Oh, I've committed blasphemy or my, my life is blasphemous or whatever the yeah. case may be. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really not until kind of like the gift of eternal life isn't right. really opened and, and, and accepted until we die. We have the assurance of it, but blasphemy yeah. isn't really something that you truly yeah. commit until you die. And the reason why I want to ask you if that's true, because there's a lot of people I've heard over the, over the years saying, Oh, I've committed blasphemy. So I'm, I'm, I'm doomed. And then they don't care. They give up. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I just want to reassure people that may think that way that you really have up until the moment you die 
to accept Jesus and therefore blasphemy in essence really doesn't happen until the moment of death. Would that be some, some truth to that? Yeah, there, that's a great question. Great point, Son. And, and I do tend to look at it, um, as you're describing there. I mean, um, I think you make an excellent point that, um, you know, if a person is concerned whether or not they've committed that sin, then that would seem to be, uh, you know, a good indicator that, that they haven't. Um, you know, um, I mean, you know, Peter denied the Lord three times. Um, you know, you know, um, it's horrible. It's horrible what, what, what the devil will do to try to get people to blaspheme God, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Um, but yes, son, I would say that, um, that would, that should always be our counsel to people that if there's, if, if they're concerned that they might have committed that unforgivable sin, then we need to give them the gospel. We need to give them, we, we, we need to, we need to give them what we would give to anyone else and just say, you know, um, hey, um, you know, you're, you're still alive. You know, you can still call on the Lord. Now, I will say this, Son, perhaps part of the sin against the Holy Spirit, perhaps part of the way it plays out is, is, is this, um, is this way, that, that perhaps there is, well, we know that there are people, Son, who, who have um, rejected God, who have cursed God, who have blasphemed God, or who have just even just rejected the gospel and maybe they've heard it for the last time, or maybe they've so hardened their heart that they're never going to hear it again, or maybe they have so um, grieved the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will never again even attempt to call them uh, to faith. So, so could that be part of the sin against the Holy Spirit? Uh, I mean, let's face it, son, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so it's up to him. Um, I mean, you and I and every believer, none of us can say, well, you know, um, hey, I, I brought about the new birth in my own life. Well, no, actually, the Bible says flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So, my friend, if you're a believer in Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit brought you to faith through the gospel. So, we can't take credit for, for salvation. We can't even take credit for conversion. They, they, we were converted. Um, but having said that, son, I'll just say that I, I think that uh, there are certainly people who so grieve the Holy Spirit time and time again, um, that, that, that the time comes when when they just no longer even hear his voice. And what a tragic place that, that would have to be, because that would be like hell on earth already, um, where you're, you're not hearing from God at all. What I mean by that is there, there, there's, no, um, there's no genuine repentance for your sin. There, there, there's no uh, genuine faith in Jesus and love for him and a love for the gospel. I mean, sometimes I think, I, I definitely think, son, we start to take these for granted as Christians because the longer we walk in some of these things, we're very tempted to think, well, boy, it must be because of my holiness or my obedience or my sincerity or my motivations or, or just what, what, a, what a good person I am, what a good Christian I am, that the Lord continues to, to grant me these blessings. Well, no, uh, actually, it's all, all God's grace. It's all his mercy. It's all his holiness. Um, and, and so the scary place to be, and it's kind of hard for us as believers, uh, maybe to either remember, maybe in our past life, or to even think about if maybe we just kind of grew up in a Christian home and never really had a time that we can remember where we, you know, where, where, where we weren't, uh, trusting the Lord from a very early age. But, um, it's kind of hard to maybe think about that dark place that many live in, son, where, um, they hear no voice of the Lord. They have no concern for their soul. Uh, they have no faith in Christ. Um, so have they committed the unforgivable sin? Well, I like what you said. I mean, you know, as long as they're still breathing, um, there's still time. 
Um, you know, the thief on the cross. I mean, if somebody's maybe starting to worry, you know, um, remember the thief on the cross, my friend. I mean, who knows uh, all the crimes he committed, but the Lord didn't, you know, wave his finger at him. And, you know, how dare you call on me now after, you know, living that kind of a life and now you want to be saved? Are you kidding me? It was, it was nothing like that. I mean, even those who were um, carrying out this, this sense of crucifixion, you know, the Lord said, um, Father, you know, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So, yes, I think that's the right tone uh, to strike there that, that, that you were uh, mentioning, Son, that, that if somebody is concerned, you know, have I, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Well, um, let, let, let's, let's answer it this way. Um, do you believe in Christ as your Savior? Um, do you want to live for Him? Um, do you want to turn away from sin, all sin? You know, not only, you know, any, anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit, but all sin. And, and if a person genuinely, you know, is in that, is in that place, Don, then they don't have to worry that they've committed, you know, the, uh, the unforgivable sin. I mean, so that's where I say ultimately unbelief, unbelief is the, uh, uh, is the, uh, ultimate sin. And, um, and I'll tell you, Son, I, I've never seen this before, but here a few years ago, I mean, you want to you want to know whether the devil is alive and and kicking. Um, you know, there was some sick, twisted individual group of people who came up with a website. I would never go to it, but anyway, it had like a maybe a video. But it gave people the opportunity to go on there and record themselves blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now, son, if that idea wasn't generated in the pit of hell, then nothing was. I mean, that is as as dark and gruesome and dangerous. Um, so, you know, son, I mean, you know, to really push it, um, if, if one of those individuals, you know, were, were, were to come to me, um, you know, I mean, I guess we'd have to cross that bridge and try to walk, help them walk that back. Um, you know, uh, I guess it would be interesting, son, in the days, years ahead, I mean, will any of those people who went on there and recorded their blasphemy, will they, um, any of them end up repenting of their sin? Have they, have they burned that bridge with the Holy spirit? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, what I mean by that is, um, when I say, have they burned the bridge, have they, have they made it so that the Holy spirit will no longer call them, will no longer try to draw them in. Um, I mean, I don't know, that's only for God to answer, but I just know that that idea came from the pit of hell and, and, and yet, you know, human nature being what it is and, and people, especially young people sometimes wanting to rebel and do the most crazy thing. Well, I tell you, you, you have no idea what kind of fire you're messing with when, when you do something that deadly, that unholy, that blasphemous. Um, wow. That, that's just, uh, that, like I say, that, 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 that came from Satan. You know, Dan, you mentioned the, the thief on the cross, someone we've talked about a few times throughout the podcast that we've done together. And Jesus says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. I don't want to get too confusing to people that might not uh, be in the know as far as maybe they're just newly Christians or maybe they don't really fully understand. But when Jesus says today, I've heard a lot of people, you know, in a lot of sermons and people discuss what happens to us when we die. Because, you know, when the thief on the cross died... He went to paradise, but yet how many years ago was that? You know, a couple thousand maybe. And so when we die, when my grandfather died, you know, hundreds, you know, number of years ago. And so as we go through our time, and of course God isn't constrained by our time. Right. Uh, you know, he's above that. But, you know, when we, when we look at that, what does it exactly mean? I mean, cause I've heard, for example, yes. when we die, yeah. it's almost like anesthesia. Okay. 
count to 10 and then you're going to fall asleep. And then before you know it, the surgery is over and you're awake and time passed, but we don't really know it, you know, and then then others say, no, automatically time goes forward. And, you know, we're, we're, it's, 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 you know, so there's all this stuff that goes on about time. And I know it's probably something that's not so significant that, you know, it's, it's determined, you know, the only thing we need to know is that we need to believe and be saved at the time of death. Otherwise it's going to be bad news. But is right. there is there anything in there that can kind of satisfy the curious as to what exactly sure. does happen? Because people talk about that. Today you'll be with me in paradise, but yet that yeah. was, you know, a couple thousand years ago and we'll still here we yeah. are still here and, and so what what's going on in that afterlife? Type well, of yeah, scenario? I fine. Great question. I mean, I've certainly, you know, over the years uh, you know, wondered about that. I mean, I think earlier in my Christian life, I think I was of the view that um you, you know, when the believer dies, you're, you're just kind of, well, what the Bible says, asleep in Jesus. You know, in 1 Thessalonians, um, we're, we're told we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, um, I don't think there's any problem if a Christian has the view, um, kind of as you described it there, son, it's almost like taking, you know, anesthesia and, uh, um, you, 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 you die. And then the next thing you know, um, you're, it's the end of time, you know, it's the end of time and you're with the Lord, you know, um, nor is it a problem, uh, if you have the view that, um, you go immediately into the Lord's presence in heaven and are still conscious. Now, when, when Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, in, in Luke 16, and the reason I say the story and not the parable is if it was a parable, son, it's the only parable where Jesus ever used proper names. Uh, I, I believe it's a, a, a story, a literal story, um, not just representing people going to heaven and hell. But anyway, the rich man went to hell because of his unbelief and his love of money. And, and uh, Lazarus was in heaven. Uh, and, 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 the, and the rich man there in Hades, um, conscious, you know, in fact, he said, I'm in agony in this fire. You know, he was in torment, um, not just at some later date, but, but then, you know, I mean, Jesus, as Jesus was describing it, he was talking about the, the rich man in hell. He was also talking about Lazarus and, and Father Abraham in heaven. Um, so, I mean, I personally do believe, son, I came to hold this view years ago. I do believe that we remain conscious um, at, at the moment of our physical death. I believe our soul is ushered there to, to paradise, just like the thief on the cross. Um, I don't believe that we are given our resurrection body yet, because, because the Bible talks about how, um, uh, you know, it says in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So I, I, I believe that when we come up out of the grave, as it were, wherever, you know, wherever we die, let's say, you know, when we rise up on the last day, um, I believe we'll be given our new body, our perfect body, just like Jesus had a glorified body um, after his resurrection, and, and he's the son of God, but, but we too will have a glorified resurrection body. But I don't believe we, uh, believers have those yet. Um, I, I believe those will be given there um, after uh, the sound of the trumpet and the Lord coming down uh, in the sky with, with his holy angels. Um, but, but be that as it may sound, to answer your question, I, I don't think that we ever need to be too dogmatic on that point or, or we don't ever need to suggest that there's only one right way to look at that. Because let's face it, Son, 
either way, um, I mean, whether, um, whether we go instantly from consciousness here to consciousness there, um, you know, whether, or, or whether it's more like, you know, you're in surgery with, uh, anesthesia and, and then you wake up and you don't even know the time passed either of those, you know, it's not really going to matter to us because we're going to be with the Lord. So if, if the Bible, when it says fall asleep in Jesus, um, which by the way, I think it's really talking about our, our body, uh, being, you know, what I mean by that is, um, you know, we're, I, I believe we're still conscious. Uh, I, I don't believe that we're unconscious at that time. But I, like I say, I think it's okay if somebody wants to hold of you. It really won't matter. It won't matter to the believer because because either way, son, you know, nobody right now, there is no believer, I assure you, um, no believer, you know, uh, in, in with the Lord who's like, man, when am I going to wake up? You know, this is getting long. I'm getting tired of being asleep in Jesus. I thought I was going to be going to heaven. I mean, that's, that won't be happening, okay? Any more than we'll have any regrets or unfulfilled desires in heaven. So either way that that plays out, it's all good for the believer. It is all good. Uh, but the key is that, we, um, that, we, that we're trusting in Christ, um, that we have his righteousness covering our soul. And that's what the white robe in Revelation represents. You know, we're, we're so good as human beings, son, at trying to make our own robe of religion as white as it can be. And we jump through all the hoops. We do all the traditions. We try to follow the law. And guess what? The robe remains dirty because of our sin. And the Bible says whoever uh, keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And no wonder in Isaiah, you know, um, you know, we, we, we read about how your righteousness is like filthy rags. So, so son, if somebody comes to the Lord on Judgment Day, as many will, thinking that their robe is like pure white because of all their deeds, um, they will be sadly, sorely, tragically mistaken um, because that's why, that's why the Lord came here. We can't make our robe white by our deeds. Um, you know, salvation is a free gift. Forgiveness is given out freely um, through faith in the Lord. And I know that's a long answer to your question, but at the end of the day, son, it's just like a few other things in the Bible I mean, Christians are going to have, it's just like Christians have different views about the end times, how it's all going to play out. Um, you know, but the main thing is, is who God is, what he's done for us, and then knowing him as our Savior, following him, loving him, uh, and knowing that we're saved by grace through faith. Um, and, and the rest of it will all work out in a very good way for, for every believer. So also, I found that uh, question, I always find it interesting because, you know, there's only two people ever to walk on earth that never died, and that was Enoch and uh, Elijah, right? And mm-hmm. so even mm-hmm. Jesus died, even though Jesus conquered death, and it was a different type yeah. of death, you know, but only two people. And so everybody's going to face death. Everyone's going to experience that death. And I think when people start to think about it, they get too consumed with the process of dying versus the salvation that you could find on the other end but um but then i always often wondered you know i wonder what enoch and elijah have been doing all this time because you know there was no physical death there and they were just taken up into heaven and so just from you know a perspective i always yeah. thought that was kind of a curious question well and i'll tell you son i think i think it's very very biblical if a person chooses to believe that 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 like enoch and elijah um, when, when he or she dies, it'll be very much the same way. Um, you know, and it is interesting, son, you know, when, when, when people give their near death experiences, um, uh, you know, it is interesting that, that they, I mean, there's consciousness all the way through that. 
uh, we, we were talking about that a little bit at a recent Bible study, and, and I forget who it was, but uh, one of the folks there at the Bible study, Son, uh, was telling about, um, I, I guess, a woman in their community when they were growing up or something, and, and, you know, she was really a mean, mean woman, I guess, and just um, just was not uh, not the kind of person, you know, that, that uh, we, we, should, we should try to be. But anyway, um, they also described, and I forget now if it was, that she she must have been describing this, or maybe no, actually no. Somebody in the room, I guess, had seen. They saw all these like dark figures kind of circling her, um, and um, and there were other people in the Bible study who, like in their families, they've had different experiences uh, of their loved ones when they're dying to go be with the Lord of different things that they're seeing right as they're you know starting to leave this world and and um, uh, but there are many many people who've had near death experiences and what's interesting, son is that there's so many people, so many believers in Jesus who have some similar types of experiences. Uh, but again, um, I even told the folks on Sunday when, when I had Mike share his, his testimony on that about his dream, I, I told everybody, I said, hey, I said, don't believe in heaven and hell because of Mike's testimony. Believe in it because of scripture. You know, so we, we never want to encourage a person to, to, to base their faith um, like on somebody's experience because that's so subjective. And I'm not saying that that didn't happen to Mike. I suspect that it happened just the way he remembers it. Um, I mean, it, certainly it had an impact on him coming to know Christ. So I, I believe that was something that God blessed him with. But having said that, it still is an experience. The word of God is something that we can um, uh, have as an anchor for our soul. And when people start to chase experiences or put their faith in experiences, this is how then Satan, who comes as an angel of light, how he deceives many people because he starts to get them to put their faith in the experience. And you, you even see just what, what, what craziness can happen with that. I mean, for example, I mean, look, look at some of the people who've gotten all worked up over like an apparition of, of the Mother Mary, okay? Or, or, or people who've gotten all worked up because they go to a seance and, and they really think that's their loved one that they're talking to. Or, or, or they call a psychic hotline, as we've talked about before, and, and, and the psychic tells them something that, that um, there's no way that psychic should know, but obviously they know because there are, um, you know, there are demons that, that will give information to people if it's, gonna, um, if it's going to help to pull someone away from a solid footing in Christ and solid footing in the Bible. So psychics and seances and... and uh, you know, a lot of these other things that, that mystical things, new age type things, you do open doors into the spiritual realm, but um, you better be careful what you wish for, because, you know, unless unless you're going um, uh, through the door of Jesus, who said, I am the door, uh, be careful, because there are a lot of dangerous things in the spiritual realm um, that have to do with the demonic, and, and you don't want to play around with that. Um, and uh, And those who do, um, they, they find out, Son, you know, rather quickly that uh, it wasn't quite what they thought it would be. I think people, Dan, forget that the Bible is a living, breathing thing. You know, it might be just words on a paper physically, but what we're reading, you know, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, it's, it's, it's a living, breathing. You know, it's, it's like you mentioned, you know, when people talk about, you know, demonic activity and things that go on on the active side of what Satan would be like, it's just as active on the other side. You know, God's just not being a passive thing. Jesus isn't just being a passive thing nowadays, sitting around doing nothing. You know, there's an active spiritual uh, uh, warfare going on, actual spiritual things going on that we need to be, be be aware of because just as though we hear stories of people, you know, in the demonic realm, you know, the spiritual realm with Jesus is just as active 
and just as alive today as anybody else. And if we stop to see that and realize that, because I think a lot of times we put him, you know, kind of like the genie in the bottle. You know, we, we, we only want him, you know, when we need him, we only, we put him in the cub and we take him down, you know, we rub the lamp when we need some wishes, you know, but we don't really truly understand that, you know, the day to day miracles, the day to day activity, you know, that he's walking there with us, that he's there, you know, people, I see these memes on social media where it says, you know, Jesus, why are you taking me through troubled waters? Jesus, why is it this? Jesus, why is it that? And there'll be responses like, well, because your enemies don't know how to swim or, you know, whatever the response might be. But the greater thing there is that God is active. Jesus is actively there. The Holy Spirit is actively there uh, within us, you know, guiding us. You know, when we get that kind of guilty feeling or when we get that like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or maybe I should do that. You know, when we get those things, like you mentioned, it's not us just creating those things ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit being active in us that gives us these things. And so I think it's important to remember that just as active as maybe the, the demonic side of this world is, the spiritual world is, you know, the, the, the God side is just of, just as active working, saving lives, you know, bringing other people to him, you know, utilizing us for good and things like that. And I think a lot of times we like to put, you know, just God in a jar and think that, you know, when he comes again, that's when he's going to be active and alive. That's when he's, you know, that's when his end, end plan comes through. But now he's just as active and, and God, the God side of life is just as active as the Satan side of life is going on these days. Yeah. And you know, you know, son, I think, I think an example that just really illustrates what you're saying is, is that if we stop and think about what happens when a soul is converted, you know, um, a lot is made about um, physical healing, both in the Bible and in our world today. And truly that's a, a great miracle. If, 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 and when, or when I should say when God heals, he often does, and he doesn't always heal the body. Um, Jesus certainly did in his ministry, um, you know, over and over again. And we still see some miracles like that today. But but the, the greater miracle sign, and this goes to your point about the Holy Spirit being at work, um, think about a soul being converted. I mean, so your body gets healed, that's great. And so now you're going to maybe get X number of years more on earth, okay. But it can't compare with the healing of the soul. This is why we often, as Christians, when we talk about a believer who's died, you know, now, well, they, they, they have the ultimate healing. I mean, the, the moment a person's converted, it is well with your soul. And God's going to have you now today, tomorrow, and forever. And, and so that, God is doing that every day. And, and yet, you know, Sam, it's interesting. Um, I watched a short little video yesterday of, of uh, some things going on in, an under, in the underground church in China. And just the, the, the celebration of, of these Christians there. And they talk about how so many of them get up at 4.30 every morning to gather in this secret place. And, and, and they spend a couple hours praying and, and worshiping God. And they do that every day. And, and this is where, you know, if they're caught, I mean, you know, terrible things are going to happen to them. But, but, I mean, in those places in the world where there's the greatest persecution, you also find the greatest power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, moving and working. And, and so the Holy Spirit is bringing people to faith all over the world today, but he's also son comforting people when they do lose loved ones. I think about um, Psalm 23, uh, you know, that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, we don't always probably think about what does that mean, the shadow of death, but but um, there was a great illustration that was given by uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse, who was uh, one of America's leading Bible teachers in the first half of the 20th century. Um, cancer had taken his wife, and so she passed away, uh, leaving him with three children, and they were all under the age of 12. And the day of the funeral, um, this minister and his family were, were driving to the service, 
when a large truck saw him, it, it passed by them, it cast a, uh, a real big shadow across the, their car. And, and so uh, Dr. Barnhouse turned to his oldest daughter, and she was just kind of staring sadly out the window. He asked her, he said, tell me, sweetheart, would you rather be run over by that truck or its shadow? And she looked curiously at him, and she replied, by the shadow, I guess. It can't hurt you. Uh, and, then he, and then he spoke to all of his children. He said, your mother has not been overtaken by, by death, but by the shadow of death. That is nothing to fear, he told them. So what a lesson for those kids. What a lesson for all of us as Christians. I mean, think about, son, our shadow. Our shadow cannot hurt us. Go outside and, and uh, you know, uh, go up to your shadow and realize it's not going to hurt you. Um, the shadow of death does not hurt the Christian. Now, the process of dying, yes, that many times is painful, but it does not do anything to, um, to keep the soul from going to paradise, going to heaven. And just like when a mother um, is in, in the pain of childbirth and the result, um, you know, we pray is, is a healthy child, um, so also many Christians uh, who've experienced the new birth of salvation, when they start to pass from this life to the next, it's, it, it can be painful. It many times is painful, but, but boy, once we're through, um, and, and once our soul does leave our body, uh, boy, we are at peace, uh, then forever son. And, uh, it's only the shadow of death that, that, that we're going to, to, to experience as we walk through that valley, but, but never, never death itself, death of our soul. You know, Dan, one of the things that I think I've kind of experienced throughout my years here on earth is that people separate an earthly life from the afterlife. There's like a, a, a definition of crossing over or it's like you move on to the next life. And I think what we've talked about through our podcasts is that it's a continuation of life. You know, life here on earth is mm-hmm. just for a moment, but then when we die, it's a continuation. And that continuation is either in paradise like the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, or in eternal damnation, maybe like the other thief on the cross. And so we have a choice to make. Which thief on the cross do we want to be more like? You know, obviously we want to be like Jesus, but I mean, what's the decision we're going to make? We have two choices. And I think a lot of people will look at death as and fear death because they see it as a finality. You know, and there's a lot of people that talk about when you ask them what happens when you die, a lot of people will say, that's it, it's over or he who has the most wins, or whatever other thing might be out there. And so I think there's a lot of people that fear death because they don't truly understand it. They don't really truly understand that it's not the end, but it's the beginning of the next chapter of life, and that when it comes down to it, what we should really fear is the lack of decision in following Jesus. You know, for those that because it's a personal choice. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to be tapping, knocking, knocking, knocking. You know, I, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock, you know, let me in and I'll dine with you. And then, like you mentioned earlier, there's people that have turned their hearts away so much so that maybe the Holy Spirit isn't coming back to them anymore. Maybe they've just been left outcast, so to speak. And so I think that's really where the true fear comes from, perhaps, is that, you know, we, we put so much stock in things of this world. You mentioned heavenly desires. I think those desires aren't going to be anything that we even know of here on earth. You know, it's not going to be like our earthly desires that we have now are going to be fulfilled. There's going to be like a whole new set of heavenly desires, uh, you know, that we're going to want. And we don't even know what those are. You know, people, people ask, are we going to, are we going to know each other? Are we going to, you know, 
be able to recognize each other. And some of these earthly desires aren't going to matter anymore once we get to heaven. That's right. Because it's going to be a whole new set of desires, and our desire is going to be that of desiring God. And so I think that, and so I think that when people fear death and they talk about death and dying, I don't, I don't know if they truly understand what it is because it's something that, you know, sure, we all want to live a long life on earth. We all want to enjoy our families as long as we can. We all want to enjoy the creation that God created, even though mankind fouled that up. You know, we want to be able to enjoy it because I think we do recognize that this world has a lot to offer because it is God's creation. But we don't need to fear that death because, especially as believers, because what comes next is going to be so much greater. And we don't truly understand that. And I think that's why death then becomes fearful, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Son. And and, and I I do think we, we tend to think of this life and then we think of eternity. And we think, well, we're not in eternity yet. We're just in this life. Well, when actually, Son, if you stop and think about it, um, if we were to take away a couple things from our current experience, if we were to take away, um, you know, night and day, night and day, you know, time passing, that's as we, we, uh, we, we keep track of time, night and day, night and day. If you took that away, let's say, and, and then if you also took away um, aging, you know, uh, where, where we're, not, we're not getting older, I mean, you would have a, a, a better sense of just a tiny aspect of what heaven will be like. Um, there will, will be in a different dimension. There will be no time. Um, it, it'll just be the eternal now that we're in. It'll never end, but it, it won't be, there, there won't be this, this time element. We won't have any clocks in heaven. Um, and, and, and so, um, when, when we get there, um, you know, um, we're going to, as you said, we're going to have, we're going to have a whole new set of desires. Uh, we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to have just total perfect peace. Um, we, you know, you know, son, just think if, if people today could be given five seconds in hell, I mean the real hell and five seconds in heaven, I mean the real heaven. I mean, I know we say sometimes that's like hell on earth or heaven on earth. No, I'm talking about those places. Jesus called them places. So five seconds, I mean, five seconds in heaven, people would be like, man, I want to go back now and I never want to leave five seconds in hell. And I never want to get near that place again. So, so somebody might say, well, then why doesn't God just do that? Well, here's what God has decided to do. He's decided to give us his word. He's decided to speak. He gave a, a love letter to his children, and he said, you know, share this with the world. These, these 66 books we call the Bible. And, and, and here's the way God um, set it up. God set it up, and he said, um, I'll tell people about those places. Um, because." Uh, I want to have people in heaven who believe me and trust me. And um, if people don't believe me and trust me, then what my Bible, what my word, what my scripture tells them is that they're going to have to pay for their own sin. Um, you know, even though hell was prepared for the devil and his angels originally, we're told in Matthew 25, um, people go there because of their rebellion against God. So, so you know, because, I, you know, I may have told you this on a while back, I don't remember, but... Um, you know, for years, I, I kind of, I, I hadn't quite, you know, um, I hadn't quite gotten resolution in my mind about, well, you know, the Bible says God wants all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth, and I believe that. And yet I also know that as the Bible says, many are going to go to hell. And and, and so um, it, it, it kind of might lead a person to wonder, well, you know, then God doesn't always get what he wants, right? Well, um, I think we have, to, we have to put another layer on that thing. What we have to look at there, Son, is this. 
and this is what I kind of came in my own mind to, to, to see about this um, from Scripture. And, and that is, you know, it, it just seemed to me there must be something that God wants even more than everyone in heaven. Because otherwise, it seems to me, logically, that everyone would go to heaven if that's what God wants more than anything else. But it seems to me, when you look at the totality of Scripture and God's revelation to us, there seems to be something that God wants even more than that. And it's what he wanted from Adam and Eve, his first cre- creation. Um, he wanted them to take him at his word. You know, when, when, when he told them, you know, you can eat from any of these trees, but not the one there. Not the one in the middle of the garden. No, you can't do that. He wanted them to take him as word when they didn't sin enter the world. Um, so when, when a person saw and refuses to accept Christ, refuses to heed the warnings of hell and, and accept the, the, just the incredible promises of, of paradise, when a person refuses that, then they're refusing to take God at his word. Does that mean God wants them to go to hell? No. Does that mean they'll, they'll go to hell if they die in that condition? Yes. How do we know that? Because God's word says so. So it just, it just seemed to me that, yes, there is something that God wants even more than he wants every person in hell. And, and, and if a person refuses to, to come under that desire of God, okay, and, and to submit to that desire and surrender to that desire and repent and believe the good news and, and, and allow God to give you that new heart and, 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 and where, where you, you want to love God, whereas maybe now you're cursing God, maybe now you hate God, maybe now you hate Christians, okay? Well, you need a new heart. And, and, and if you choose to go to your grave in that condition and then go to hell, um, it wasn't because that was God's choice. That was your choice. God chose to send his only son. So, so that's how, I guess, for me personally, thought after years of, of just really trying to get a little better handle on why are there so many people according to Scripture? Uh, and so it's, it's going to happen. Uh, why are there so many in hell now and going to hell? Why did Jesus say, you know, enter through the narrow gate uh, for why is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Lord, why? Why only a few, Lord? I thought you wanted everyone in heaven. And God's word tells us, I do want everyone in heaven, but there's something I want even more than that. And you can trust me. You can take me at my word or you can go your own way. And I don't know how God could have really made it any plainer than that, son, than he has in the Bible. It seems easy enough, yet a lot of us will ignore that and continue to to live our own ways and, and go down our own paths. And, and Dan, as we kind of wrap it up, I think for me, one of the easiest things that I heard, it was a Sunday school-esque type answer to the question, but it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. When it comes yeah. down to it, when someone asks, what's heaven going to be like? The response yeah. was, Take whatever you think mm-hmm. it's going to be, yeah, and it's going to be better. Yeah. So whatever yeah. you can come up with, yeah, it's going to be better. And How about multiply whatever you can come up with times a thousand? It's well, that, be there you go. That. Yeah, there you go. But that's what it is. It, it's going to be something yeah. that we don't want to miss out on. And the only way to get there Amen. is is to confess our sins. Believe that yeah. Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross, rose again to save us from our sins. If we confess with our mouth and believe on our hearts, we shall be saved. And um, that's the only thing that we really need to be concerned with is that no matter what it is that we've talked about, what the experience is like, what the afterlife is like, what the in, the you know, in-between yeah. time is like, none of that will really truly matter as long as you yeah. believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved because then you know you're guaranteed that whatever it is, 
you're going to end up there and it's going to be paradise for all eternity. Well, that, that, that's right, son. And I would just say to any listener today, my friend, here, here's how easy it is. Um, why don't you right now, just in your heart, just do what Son was talking about there. Why don't you just say these words in your heart right now? Even say them out loud if you want. Just say, Lord Jesus, um, I need you. Uh, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe in heaven and hell. And more importantly, I believe in you. And, I, and I'm trusting you now today, Lord, as my Savior, my resurrection, and my life. Um, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Fill me now, Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I just, I, I no longer want to walk in unbelief. I'm believing from today on um, the good news that, that Jesus is my Savior. And, and uh, thank you, Lord, for your free gift of eternal life. And now, my friend, just, I mean, find a Bible-believing, grace-filled church with people who love one another. Um, become a regular part of that. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Serve the Lord every day. Use the gifts he's given you. You'll have a lot to learn. We all do. <laughs> Throughout life, we have a lot to learn yet. But um, get connected um, to a strong uh, church. And uh, I'll tell you, you'll be, you'll be so thankful uh, for what God has given you um, today, tomorrow, and forever. Yeah, and if you uh, need recommendations on a church, uh, people can reach out to me. Um, I'm on Instagram, Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. That's E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And you could just direct message me if you're looking for recommendations uh, for churches, especially if you live in Southern California. Um, I know, Dan, you're a pastor at Redeemer Church in uh, Papillion, Nebraska. If anybody maybe is kind of your way looking for recommendations, obviously your church is there. But if they want to reach sure. out, how can they find you? Sure. Uh, they could email me at Dan Delzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at cox.net. And I'd be more than happy to, um, yeah, to, to, to visit and, and share those ideas with folks. Dan, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for your comments, for uh, joining with us on this conversa- conversation, sharing your experiences. And uh, we look forward to many more conversations as uh, God allows. Well, I sure do as well. Thank you, Son, for all you're doing, and thank you for your podcast, and just let me be a be a part of, of what God's doing through you. And again, for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.